Hey, good evening. It's a cold one out here. It's 7.15 Tuesday night, November 12th, and I missed yesterday the Elf to Elf to. I was going to do a podcast on the Elf to Elf to. So The Elf to Elf to is the beginning of Carnival, so I had a little fun yesterday with the German music on YouTube. Wow, the world is so small now. But it's dark out here. We have a full moon. I'm also listening to some German music tonight. Max Rob, he's really fun, and uh, and he has a song called "Ich sing am liebsten wenn der Mond scheint." So this is this would be a night he would sing that song. He says he likes to, he loves to sing when the moon is out. So there you go. So I'm in shorts and a t-shirt, and I probably should have worn a sweatshirt. And Bud's out for a walk. And Elf to Elf to, 11th day of the 11th month, at 11 o'clock in the morning, 11 minutes after. These are uh, Köln and Dusseldorf, so it's like the northwest part of Germany. Apparently the Bavarians don't partake in such nonsense, but the West Germans do. Far West Germans. Cool, cool, cool. Elfta, Elfta. And um, Carnival is in February. It's like Lent, you know, 40 days before. I think it's 40 days before Easter. 40, man. 40 days, people in the... So biblical, the Germans, right? Well, that's just the Catholic Church, right? 40 days in the desert... 40 days, I think the uh, the Jews were wandering a little bit. Not sure. Is that how that went? And uh, yeah, 40 days after the uh, resurrection, we have the ascension. Christi Himmelfahrt, as the Germans would say. Jesus takeoff day, Jens would tell me. Yeah, like a rocket, like a Himmelfahrt. Himmelfahrt. I'm sure Werner von Braun was very proud of his own man-made Himmelfahrts with his rockets. Yeah, yeah. So I guess, yeah, this is a eclectic podcast. And uh, yeah, I, I uh, had a nice test of my fortitude of chilling out, right? So, I uh, yesterday was a pretty good day on Monday. I was kind of busy. Um, I uh, was anticipating a... What did I have? I had a call for this job I'm looking for. Or I'm looking for a job, but I've, one that I've got going as I was able to talk to... Um, one of the people would be a future colleague, but she doesn't know that. And I don't know it. So neither one of us know that, right? So easy conversation. But uh, the hiring manager had me talk to her and get some ideas and network. So I don't know. I don't know if he's cooling on the idea of hiring me or what he's got going on. But there's big things going on in Chicago, which I just have to wait for. You know, it's just, you got to wait. And, then, you know, we think that's like, things just uh, that we can make things happen. 
shake things up, be a mover and a shaker. Well, yeah, you can do that when you have a job, but uh, when you're looking for a job, you can't really make anybody do anything. So you got to plant the seeds, keep planting the seeds and see what comes up. So I uh, had a really fun conversation with her and, and uh, this industry, this contract manufacturing, making circuit cards assemblies, it's pretty kind of, it's kind of a crazy business in a way. <laughs> and and uh, she's had a nice career, always doing selling, worked at a bunch of the big companies. So like in anything, there's, well, not anything, but a lot of things. Um, not so much in aerospace itself, but in this contract manufacturing world, there's big companies that um, they roll up the numbers from all these manufacturing sites around the world. And it could be several billion dollars in sales, right? But it's all a summation of smaller contracts. And then the one company gets bigger by buying up somebody else that's already doing it. So it's kind of a fragmented business, they call it. And so she's experienced it all over 25, 35 years. And uh, yeah, so she's really smart. Has a lot of contacts. And uh, so she can be very helpful. helpful. So yeah, we'll see how that goes one way or the other. But, uh, it is what it is, they say. But then the most challenging part happened. Later in the day, I was expecting um, a phone call. I like um, was like, "Hey, that looks like a good program. I'll sign up for it." Like, you know what? I I was totally on. They they usually ask you like, "Okay, we only have spots for 15 people in this special boot camp," and I was excited about it. I'm like, I don't know if it's really for me. I don't know if I'm ready for that. It's like out at the end of February, and I'm like, well. You know, I don't know what's going on, and I, I kind of, the timing was such that I watched the presentation like, like an hour after I just got told that like I'm not going to get this job for a while, which could be two weeks, but I don't know, may have to, something else may have to come through, which something else is kind of coming through this morning, so I got good news there, and uh, I, I put away some self doubt and did some bold. Uh, taking massive action on the pursuit of something that doesn't exist, but they really should make a job for me, but I'm not sure they think that way. <laughs> I think they should just for the pure joy of employing me. Um, so yeah, so I was kind of, I was kind of funny experience cause I was like, okay, good. I'm looking forward to this. I, I put myself out there. I was, extremely transparent and I don't know if it's really for me right so this is a, a bit of an investment and to do this boot camp but it sounded great and I'm like I'm not that far off from it and um, I'm a hyper responsive person so I get enthusiastic about a lot of stuff so I'm like okay I don't know uh, the way they, they organize these signups is you fill out an application, which just makes total sense. Great. I was very transparent, like I said, and said, hey, 
I don't know if this is for me or not, but you know, the, this person, she'll know if it's right for me. So I said, talk to her about it. Cause I don't know. And so, uh, what happened was that was a Friday. And, uh, so the guy's recruiting for spots and we were like with the first group to find out about it. And it's a very attractive program. And especially for the right people that are like, maybe got their books done already or, and they want to promote their books that are already finished or they have a platform. And, uh, I mean, it's kind of nice to think about the end in mind, right? Like, but I, like I'm on a, I'm on a Gaussian curve, right? Am I even halfway there yet? I don't even know if I'm halfway there. Maybe I'm only 30% of the way there. I know I'm a lot further than when I started a couple of years ago. And it does take time for the kind of thing I'm considering. So it's, it's, uh, it's not surprising that it takes, it's taken me this long. Uh, cause I'm, I am humbled by a lot of things, but, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, by humble. <laughs> by, sometimes I'm really humble and sometimes I'm like the opposite of humble, which I guess is pride, proud or something. So I go back and forth depending on what the situation is. And, uh, I guess we do so much image management. So here's where something that might you might want to consider the listener here is all, all the image management we probably do. And it's probably a good idea to do some level of image management, especially with people you're just getting to know and they don't know you. And uh, I'm a pretty rare breed, I think. Like I'm pretty complex. Like my friend says, is you really confuse people. People don't people don't, people don't know how to take you, which is not great for running a business or being branded, right? You want clarity. So one of my, clearly I'm confusing. So, but that, you know, so if some people might find that fun or enjoyable, but it depends. I'm not exactly looking to do stand-up comedy, but I do like humor. I do like joking. I like kidding around. I find joy in that, right? I mean, I find, I find smile, laughter is great. It just feels good to chuckle and laugh. But uh, what was I? Dang, I was on something for you. Maybe you heard it about a minute ago. I was going to talk about perceptions now. It's not exactly perceptions. Um, getting to know people, buy humble. Um different situational things and people understanding you. So, yeah. Somebody texted me again. You be you. The Namibia lady is in Darmstadt who's can't, who's struggling with German language. And uh, the world's kind of funny. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> it's, I'm in the gym. I got to keep working out because I got to push myself around a little bit. I need some dis- physical discipline like that. Plus, I just feel good after I work out. Endorphins or something. I don't know. So this is not, uh, as you know, this is not going to be a, a hyped up podcast to try to convince you of anything. So, um, but you know, some of you people lift, lift weights, go to the gym. You know, you know how it is. More than I do. I'm, I'm a relatively newcomer to this thing. But I enjoy it. So I'm in there and I'm in between sets and I 
po- a message pops in from Darmstadt, Germany, which I love, of course, about anything to do with Germany. I'm, I'm down with that. And I had just applied, I sent a FedEx cover letter, resume, career outline to the head of um, North American Business Aviation for Rolls-Royce because they got the new Pearl engine out there made in Dalavitz. And uh, I just thought, you know, I we got to just hang my balls out there, as they say in Jerry Maguire. Ginkgo's man. That's where greatness comes from, man. Just hang your balls out there. So, so, so I, I FedExed the guy. And then I uh, he got it, because he can track it. A Jay Vaughn, Janice Vaughn, signed for it. But I got his voicemail, surprisingly. Left a message. He's like a 20-year career Rolls-Royce guy. I'm pretty sure he's English, but I've seen videos with him. I think he speaks with a nice American accent. There's someone. I don't know his story, really. I mean, you got a picture from LinkedIn. And I have one connection that I know pretty well. Not surprisingly from Rolls-Royce, of course. But he just happens to be the guy that hired me to go to Germany. (laughs) And I chuckle because... Uh, there's a whole story behind that. I was supposed to work in Frankfurt and work for this one Englishman, and I was pretty excited to work for him. But then uh, his German boss left the company. Howdy. Good. How the dog's doing? Yeah. She's he or she's getting big. Yeah. So he, uh, I show up in Frankfurt, and uh, in the month between, like, yeah, we're gonna hire you to showing up, uh, or maybe it was three months. Uh, the the guy's boss was quit, German dude, and he got a um, English Rose Rose gentleman named Phil Harvey, which always reminded me of Paul Harvey. Good day, this old American broadcaster. So Phil Harvey, he uh, didn't take a liking to me. <laughs> and, and I don't know the full history behind it, but I th- I'm pretty sure he's like, get rid of this guy. We don't want this yank around here. Get rid of that guy. So that's the story of my life. You know, getting jobs and then <laughs> get rid of it. <laughs> so Phil Harvey, Turned out to be a real, real character. Probably a pain in my side. So my wife and I are in Frankfurt. We're supposed to be looking for a place to live. And uh, I, I am going into the story now. Sorry, by the way. And uh, so so Phil's like, yeah, changing plans. Uh, you're going to go to Bristol, England. I'm like, okay, cool. My wife's like, she doesn't really, she, my wife's not real excited about this whole thing at all. But I'm, I'm just like. This is so cool. I'm going to do this thing. So I ended up in uh, Bristol, England. And I still don't know. I'm thinking now I'm thinking like, well, you're going to be in Bristol. We're going to put you on the, the team and uh, Dolovitz, which is the new center being built outside of uh, Berlin. It's not completed yet. 
but for the next six months to a year, you'll be in Bristol, England. And I'm like, eh, not exactly my ideal. So then a guy named Dave Ruiz, which is spelled R-E-U-S-S. He reminds me of John Cleves from Faulty Towers, only about like a foot shoulder, shorter and about 100 pounds heavier. Or maybe I should say six stones heavier. Because <laughs> a stone is 14 pounds for you folks. So let's do the maths. Six times 14. I think I got it pretty close. 84. That's probably about right. It's probably like 84 pounds heavier than John Cleese, but a foot shorter. And uh, he's probably like 35 and he's bald already. And he's got one of these um, bald dome with hair around the side. And uh, and he was he is good buddies with Phil Harvey. And so Phil gave him the orders, probably like, get rid of this guy. <laughs> so... So the Mini Coopers, before BMW made the Mini Coopers cool, they were still the British the British Mini Coopers, which probably sucked, but they looked kind of cool. But they were British with British engines, engines in them. BMW would later, within five years, buy the brand. They would buy the brand. Mini Cooper brand. With now, it comes with BMW engines in it. German engineering in the Mini Cooper. Yeah, yeah. Good times in the 90s. So Dave Royce is like, got it in for me from the start, it seems like. And I'm like, I'm committed. I'm like, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. And my my wife's kind of like, she sees it, that it's probably like something, something's up. But I'm like, I don't care. I'm here, man. I'm making this work. And uh, so within, within a couple of days of being in Bristol, instead of being on the, um, HP turbine team. They said, oh, we're going to have you go to Munich and start in Munich with the HP compressor team. And I'm like, ah, oh, great. Great. I'll get to it'll be a lot easier learning German in Munich than in Bristol, England. So I was down with that. My wife's like, what the hell is going on here? We're supposed to be in Frankfurt. Within a week, we're in Bristol. A couple of days later, they're like, you're going to to Munich. And I'm like, this is great. <laughs> I love it. Okay. And then my wife had to go back or wanted to go back. Well, she, the plan was she would come over for two weeks. We'd find a place to live in Frankfurt. And then we only had like a week and a half to find one in Bristol. And then they changed it up and goes, you're going to Munich. And I, I bet they thought I would just like quit and go, you guys are nuts. But I didn't. I didn't quit. They were going to have to come clean and say, we don't want you here. <laughs> but I guess those Rolls Royce people didn't have the balls to be direct now, would they? Isn't that what we would expect from some English people? We're not going to be direct now, are we? So um ended up in Munich working for a guy who probably is like, here, just take this American guy. Uh, he's going to be a pain in the ass, but... Just take them. So I'm in the team. And I'm like, dudes, we got to get this shit done. You know, we got companies. How's this work working? We got to make some parts, man. We got to make some hardware. <laughs> and I wasn't leaving. So, man, it was have fun flying from Munich. I thought, this is, this is a blast. I mean, what kind of, what, what better job could you have 
working with a company that's like disorganized and having organizations spread out over Munich, Bristol, Berlin, Scotland. And I'm like, okay, I'll travel there. I'll go there. So I was cruising all over, going hither and yon. And, uh, and then we uh, found an apartment in Munich. And my wife came over in uh, July, August. And within four months, we were moving to Berlin. And she didn't like that either. <laughs> I'm like, whatever. I'm, I, I really thought they were going to get rid of us or something. But I'm like, no, I'm going to... Uh, Berlin. It's cool. So we were the first team to go into Berlin and uh, start working there in December of 94, I think. So a lot of things happening. Still people in Munich, Bristol, but now the ultimate center outside Berlin, we were there. And uh, eventually everybody's in Berlin. We still had a Frankfurt manufacturing site, which is pretty cool. And Oberurzel. And uh, I was just getting hassled by this one manager who never moved to Germany, but he would always make trips over to Germany and check on me and make sure I was doing what he wanted. I was doing, quote unquote, more program management, making sure sure shit was made instead of, uh, well, you're supposed to be a manufacturing engineer and you're supposed to just give advice on the designs and tell them like this. I'm like, Dave, it just, all that matters is who's manufacturing it. They'll tell us what the tolerances are capable of, you know, because one machine could do it and another machine can't. I don't know what machine it is. I don't even know who's making it. Let's get the drawings to the people that are going to make it and let them tell us, dude. You know, let's get some drawings in front of the people. If you do plus or minus one and it needs to be plus or minus a half, then we change it. Big deal. But just get the design done. Tolerance is my ass. <laughs> so, so my attitude was definitely uh, strengthened. Uh, the independence in me was definitely coming out. But that's just the way I operate. I mean, I look at the situation and I'm like, okay, this company needs to make this. Let's get the drawings to them. Let's go, guys. Come on. And... Uh, you know, so it was just chaos. It was fun. And then the opportunity, then the big, the big opportunity came to to move to another department and get away from uh, get away get away from this cabal that was against me. <laughs> I think it lasted like a year and a half. And this this other department was coming, and and Jens was moving over there, and. Uh, So I got in with Malcolm, and this guy was uh, also from Derby, Derby, England. But he was a procurement guy, he's independent, and he wasn't interested in politics and all this crap. So he was fully behind me and got me in the group, and it was just a great, and then that's how I ended my career was in that group. So I spent a year and a half kind of screwing around with these goofballs same company, same project, but I eventually moved to procurement and that was a great department. So I did three and a half years with them. And, uh, then I left, came back to the U S 
because I didn't, uh, Malcolm, Malcolm had his secondment and went back to uh, uh, Rolls-Royce. And uh, I, uh, and Jensen, Jensen and I applied for the job and there was a, uh, most of the guys were in management were doctors, like Dr. Dr. Reitzma, Dr. Uh, Gunter, you know, doctor, doctor, there's doctors everywhere. That was a joke. And the, the English guys, Rolls Royce guys, don't have so many doctors everywhere. <laughs> so, so they hired the, the brightest. I don't know if they were the best. They were definitely the brightest people <laughs> with their doctorates. Gosh, was that a great story? I that I mean that is like, I know I'm writing a. I'm I'm really close to getting this out, but the more fun story from a human element is probably the story of BMW Rolls Royce. It's not just BMW, and it's not just Rolls Royce. It's BMW Rolls Royce, right? So they, they should just hire me to shut me up so make sure I don't write the story. <laughs> so I said, look, you're either going to hire me or, or I'm going to write this blockbuster book about this crazy organization that is uh, making the most expensive corporate jets engines in the world. And how goofball it was at the beginning. But anyway, so lots of stories there. But I walk Bud, I'm back. Um, the current emotional drama that I had was I'm sitting around yesterday, it's three o'clock. I'm like, oh gosh, I'm looking forward to this call. I'm like, I, I had no expectation. Like, they're either they're going to go, like, oh man, you this, you know. I talked to I talked to her and she's like, You're the best, man. You you gotta come to this boot camp. Oh, we're so excited to have you on this thing, you know. I mean <laughs> I'm I'm dreaming like, oh yeah, more I heard all about you and you know, you're just oh, we gotta have you out here for this boot camp. <laughs> so that, so that's kinda it's either gonna be that or like, oh I'm sorry, we decided like, you know talking to the your writing coach he's like no you're not quite ready yet you know maybe in six months or something but uh thanks for applying and and uh we think for now we've got enough people coming in that are further along in their books and so they'll be a better fit for them than for you but thanks for applying and uh there you go so um and, and uh i have to remember i mean on the internet things look pretty loosey goosey, but you know, in a lot of ways, these guys are like highly professional. So it's kind of hard cause you want to give a impression of very, um, natural, um, comfortable environment and, uh, and, and you're doing everything on the internet, but in actuality, I mean, these people could be, you know, like Simon and Schuster publishers, the new Simon and Schuster's or something, or the new, um, I don't know who the best publishers or the prestigious publishers of the past. It's basically going wild. You know, it's the whole publishing thing seems like it's going wild. So there's these people that have spent time in the industry, so they know what they're doing. 
and uh, and there's new things happening, and some are adapting to it and creating their own businesses out of it. So it's pretty cool. I like the idea. I'm, I'm all in it. But so, anyways, the three o'clock time came around. I'm like, well, what? Well, am I supposed to call somebody? Am I getting a call? And and I look in my email, and I'm like, okay, I search on the guy's name, and I'm the first thing that pops up is like, oh, what? Canceled? Canceled? What's that? This 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 call is canceled. I open up the email and I'm like, yep, yeah, uh, we're canceled. And it was kind of like an automated message that didn't you know it didn't say anything, it didn't say why or anything. It was just like, and it was that was the one I got right. I didn't go looking for other emails right. And uh, so I wrote, I took that email. It just said canceled, and I said, why? Because <laughs> I I'm like, why is this canceled? I mean, I would I you know. Again, I knew there's a decision. They have to make a decision. I just wanted to hear it directly, right? I mean, I, to me, I was like, I wasn't expecting like, like I said, it could go either way. They're like, oh, awesome, great, yeah, that's the best thing, cool, yeah, welcome aboard. Or no, like, no, it's not a fit, and this is why. And, and then I could hear directly, verbally, why it wasn't a fit. But this is what happens with the email, texting, weird communications not that's not weird but we we communicate with um email and text so much and there really is missing that tone of voice the the the, the style the way the words come out it's just uh direct different than direct communication so um i got the why i mean i was like why and then i got then the reply was oh well we sent you an email on Saturday. I'm like, yeah, I'm looking at it. But it's like, oh, no, another one. You know, so then I found that one. And then it had the explanation in there um, that I really don't have a, a launch date for the book. So let's hold off. And and so I was kind of like a mental challenge. Like, I really don't know what I, went on behind the scenes, right? And I'm like, do I think, do I think, okay, that's they, they had a good chat about it and it legit. And everything's like, it was, you know, I could think negatively about myself. It was like, no, you know, I guess I am a whack job and um, they don't want me around because I'm disruptive or something. <laughs> I mean, but I'd have no indication of that, right? So I just, I'm left to my own imaginations, right? So um, it's likely that the, the one of the people involved in this discussion behind the scenes is listening to this, hopefully chuckling and laughing because I'm not upset about it. I mean, it, and that's the thing, that's the trouble with emails, right? So now I say like, why, right? With a question mark, right? And the guy could be offended, like, oh, crap, this this is potential future customer is like mad at me or something. Like, I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm just like, why? And he has no idea that I have like 50,000 emails in my inbox. And I, I don't really give a crap about trying to delete anything from my inbox now. I'm just like, I'm done. I get marketed so much crap and I probably should have separate emails for different things. But even then on my phone, I aggregate it all anyway. So even if I, I have like three emails that go into my phone and they just stack up. So I'm just not an organized computer person. So technically I could have a, a, a folder in my head or email in my head and go like, okay, it's time to look at this email address. Okay. Now it's time to look at this email address, you know, and maybe if I, you know, a lot of people say like, oh, really be efficient. You should only look at email like at 10 in the morning and three in the afternoon and that's it. Or, you know, 
something crazy like that. I mean, I'm sure someone's got some advice for that kind of crap. And it's just made up anyways, right? It's like there's no hard, fast rule. And, you know, it may sound like everybody's doing that, but who knows? So anyways, I noticed a few emails from this organization and I noticed the headline on some and said like, you know, it looked like, okay, they're still recruiting to get their 15 people. And so I really wasn't, I thought, well, I'm locked and loaded. I took care of it. I signed up. I don't need to really look at any more emails now because I wasn't expecting a response already. Right. I mean, I was like, I signed up for Monday phone call and I expect to like have a conversation for that's scheduled for 45 minutes. And I'm like, well, if I'm in, then we have something to talk about. And if I'm out, it'll be a five minute call done, you know, and I'll know everything. So I'm, I had, that's where my head was at. My head was at their head was like, Oh, we took care of this on Saturday done. Don't need to make this call. And, and then, it, then this thing kind of unfolded and I'm not upset about it. I mean, it's, it's, it was a challenge. I know internally my head, my thoughts again, were I could be negative and things. So what, uh, some of the listeners, you guys are running your business. So you probably had this experience already because you're sending out so many emails. You probably get all kinds of crazy stuff coming back. So you probably, I think the bigger, once you get a certain size, you can hire somebody to like, okay, I want you to filter all these emails. You know, because like if you send out 6,000 emails, you might get um, 60 back if I don't even know if that's a good number. And out of those 60, you might get 12 that are just like people that are upset or like take me off the list or, you know, they want to be unsubscribed and then they just have negative comments for you and maybe they're ticked off. That's probably the world of the Internet marketing and stuff that I, I just don't know yet. I haven't experienced it yet, but I imagine that's what happens. So it's good to have someone filter it and say, okay, I'm probably going to get 12 really nasty ones or people are pissed off. Just get them off the list then and make sure we don't ever send them an email again. Right. And I don't know. There's the unsubscribe buttons. I don't know. I try it sometimes. I just have my doubts. work. But anyways, people are people, right? You're dealing with, we're dealing with the public here. Uh, this podcast is going out to the public. So, um, all you millions of people. Pretty soon I'll get about a billion listeners. Because <laughs> like, you know, Arizona walking your dog, that's that's like prime interest, you know. Um, well, at least sarcastically it is, right? So, um, yeah, the takeaways. It's uh, email, text, communications uh, when it's important you call up and talk to somebody but i imagine when you really running these when you're running these these entrepreneurs running these large 6000 10000 email lists you just don't know what you're getting and and even the one i there was a big campaign last week to do the speakers one very exciting. Like I, I think I mentioned in a podcast, I listened to like two hours and, uh, you know, I just noticed like, okay, I'm getting pinged with emails all day long. So, um, yeah. So that's, that's my experience with that. Some of you entrepreneurial listeners, listeners will probably appreciate that view from the other side of the email. Cause you just don't know what's going on. Right. Same thing with even doing a, 
webinar and doing these things. You just don't really know what, what's going on in the background. And uh, yeah, so it is a, I'm going to my Jerry Maguire. It's an up at dawn, pride swallowing siege that they will never tell us about, right? So cheers to you people doing the pride swallowing siege every day. <laughs> I think there's a good payoff for it and it's a sincere one and you probably meet some really amazing people if you, you know, through it, but you got to, you know, for every, I don't know what the statistics are, but there's probably uh, some amazing people that you meet through this being transparent or being available to the public. And I, I got that, you know, when this book writing journey started, I kind of feel like, hey, you're this book coach and their an organization is really smart. So they should be selective. You know, I, I said from the beginning is like, just tell me if this idea is worthwhile. You know, I had no idea. And, and uh, you know, I still have my, my doubts about it, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing ahead. So the other good news I got. I did a video interview on November 1st, so it's been 11 days. And I forgot all about it. It was kind of like um, they wanted to, to me to answer six or eight questions on a video. And they have, I think it's called Higher View now. It's some system. It's pretty good. And that way you can sort of see people like before you talk to them. You can sort of see like, okay, is this dude like 25 years old? Is this dude 35, 45, 55? What are we looking for? And so I don't know what they're looking for. I mean, I, I mean, the kind of job it is, it looks like it's got to be someone fairly senior, right? So I did my best. I set the, the camera up in a room and, you know, nothing in the background, just kind of generic, you know. And, and I uh, recorded answers and I, you could listen to them and re-record them, you know, before you submitted them. So that was good. So, I, yeah, I probably got pretty good at practicing that. It took my time. And so this morning I got an email saying, hey, Someone's going to be calling you the next, you know, day or so, and and follow up. They must have liked the, uh, they must have liked my video answers. So, wow, yeah, maybe uh, maybe this, uh, it's a it's a, uh, what is it, uh, aftermarket defense aftermarket business development, and there were, a lot of the questions were around uh, dealing with foreign governments, so. Um, <laughs> you may not be surprised that I, I know stuff about that. <laughs> and uh, I have great stories about it too. South Korea, they're funny. South Korea, Egypt. Wow, Egypt, amazing. So yeah, these foreign companies, they, they buy our weapons, American weapons. So, you know, people complain about how much America spends on the defense budget, but we actually sell a lot of our stuff to other countries. So that's a good thing, right? You know, make a helicopter for us and sell 30 or 40 of them to South Korea. Why not? Right. So I know something about that stuff. So we'll see if that goes anywhere. It's not, uh, it's not in my sweet spot of when I'm, I feel like what I'm called, what am I, what does Rob Bell say? Like, you know, we need you to do what you're called to do. We need you to go do what you're here to do. So that, 
I'll, I'll pass it on. That's Rob Bell speaking to me through his podcast and things. And I hear it from other people too. It's like soul purpose is similar. So you, the listener, you're a hero. Like it go back to even build a story brand. A lot of this stuff is overlapping. You're a hero. I'm a hero. You're a guide. I'm a guide. We switch back and forth playing those roles and that's fine. So I'm getting used to, what was the other thing I talked about? Oh yeah. Meaning in life changes, right? Victor Frankl. Wow. Amazing. What a concept frees people up, right? The Simon Sinek, what's your why? What's your why? Well, my why is going to change. I mean, why is not that much different than meaning. I don't think, I mean, I maybe have to study the Simon Sinek thing more, right? But the big why, what's your why was a big thing like the last 10 years, you know, find your purpose, you know, uh, and it's along the Rob Bell thing. Everyone's here called, he's a little more spiritual side. Cause I think really just, just making up a why, like, uh, I'm, this is my why is <laughs> usually more career oriented or something, but it's gotta be bigger than that. Right. It's gotta be more spiritual than that so you listen to this podcast if the moon is up and i sing i love to sing when the moon shines is the german song so I'm, I'm i'm feeling pretty good even though i was a little bit testy this morning or the last 24 hours i got over it i'm, I'm a, a moody drama person and sensitive and sensitivity is good. It has, there's some pluses and minuses, right? Or strengths and weaknesses to that. And uh, one of the, if you're sensitive and things don't go your way, you can get pretty, uh, pretty pouty and annoying. So I try to minimize that in my communication because I'm, I actually felt that way, but I didn't want to send that message. <laughs> I just, I just wanted answers and I got answers, which was great. But I, I, I notice, like in my heart, I'm kind of sensitive. You know, I feel rejected. I was, I was even saying, like, wow, I feel uh, more rejected out of being turned down to give someone money. <laughs> I mean, think about it, right? I'm applying to give them money. They're, of course, they're going to give something back. It's a free exchange of good stuff. But you know. Last week I got turned, I wasn't really turned down for a job, but I didn't get the answer to the job. I was delayed. And uh, I felt worse about this, this opportunity to do the boot camp. I was like, man, I, I feel rejected. I'm feeling hurt. And it, it brought me to question like, well, maybe this is not what I'm called here to do. Maybe I'm not called here to, to write this book and, and get this message out. Right. But I, I do feel it. It's just like, Am I just that quirky and wild and crazy that, I don't know, I'm just difficult. I think I'm just difficult to deal with or I'm a, a PETA, as they say, pain in the ass. But uh, in a nice way, I'm a nice PETA. I'm a very nice, nice PETA. You can put some tzatziki on that PETA. <laughs> so what, what else? What else? So meaning changes. And roles change. So you're a hero, guide, hero, guide, hero, guide. So you're the hero. Um, and I was going down some of the track before Victor Frankel. And um, 
meaning to life. And there we go. So I think I'll end it there at a 44 minutes. See all grace and peace and mercy to you all. Bye.